señorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's women's wellness expert, Kim Shaper. We're talking hormones, perimenopause. I'm in my 40s. Kim is in her 40s. Uh, We have similar stories. We both struggled with anorexia. Kim actually went into treatment for it. She struggled for a while, and now she's in the business of helping women optimize their metabolism and drop body fat when you're 40 and up. Wherever you're listening to this, please hit subscribe. It will help me so much, and then you'll get an alert. Every time a new episode drops, here's my episode with Kim Shaper. I don't know if I even explained how this happened, our connection. Um, I did Culture Changers podcast with Allison Hare. Yes. And she, she interviewed me. And as soon as we were done recording, she goes, write down this right now, Kim Shaper, you are the same. <laughs> and she's like, your story is her story and you need to interview her. And then I found out you were in Atlanta. Oh, are you in Atlanta? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> my okay. sister's like, stop saying you're in Atlanta. I live near Peachtree City. So oh, no, yeah. but I'm right here. I obviously wanted you here. I'm now in my 40s and I'm all about learning about perimenopause and how I should be working out differently, um, what tests I should be getting for my hormones and all the things. But I wanted to start with your story because you, like me, struggled with eating disorders for a decade. Mm-hmm. And did I hear that it started with like a trainer that sparked yes. it? What happened? Well, was it similar with you too or no? It will happen in high school. I, I was anorexic in high school um, and we were both athletes. Like I played soccer. Mm-hmm. So I thought I equated thin as fit and like yeah. good for soccer. So I got super skinny, but then it evolved to um, bulimia in college. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get a hold of that for 10 more years after. Yeah, yeah it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a bitch, excuse my language. But Please. yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, don't want to take up too much of your time, but thanks no, for no, tell me. first and foremost. So, so excited to be here and your audience is so fortunate to have you. Your podcast is just amazing. So thanks for having me. So, I mean, super quick backstory. So um, high school and up until high school is always a pretty big athlete, loved sports, ran cross country, track, swam, tennis, soccer, all the things. All really the things, uh, actually all the things. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I, I loved as a tomboy and I just, I love sports. I love being outside and I never made food an issue ever. And it was, I mean, I'll never forget it in high school, they would make these cookies and they are probably no joke, probably seven pounds a piece. And it was just full of lard, but they were so good. And I couldn't figure out why I was so tired after I'd eat them, but I'm like, Oh, they taste too good. (laughs) So anyways, um, never had issues with food. And then I went off to college and you know, you gain the traditional freshman 15, I came back and I had never lifted weights in my life. I mean, I played the sports and we would do five or eight pound dumbbells, but I never really did anything more than that. And so weights was a whole new realm for me. And my mom actually used to be a former bodybuilder back in the eighties. And so she said, Hey, I haven't done it in a long time either. How about you and I go work out together? Cause I need to get back into it too. I'm like, perfect. So this is after freshman year of college. So we went to this trainer and he was really nice at first and I had never dieted in my life. And so for me, any sort of reduction of calories or cutting out certain foods, my body responded really well. Cause I, my body's like, what's the diet. So he put us on like this five foods diet and, um, you know, he, he basically demonized any other foods outside of these five foods. And what I found as time went on over the summer 
um, I found myself binging and I didn't understand what that really meant until I started doing it. And so on the weekends, I would like gorge myself with pizza and ice cream and I just couldn't stop. And so then Monday would come around and I would walk inside and he's like, you've instantly gained weight. I can tell you're puffy, you're swollen. And so it, it created so much shame. And I never said anything to my mom. My mom never heard any of that, but I just remember leaving and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to I, I got to tighten this up. And yet again, I, I, the food felt out of control and I had never dieted. So I'm like, why is this starting? So I went off to college and I kept this five foods, like, you know, meal plan, if you will, in my back pocket. And I carried it around. Like it was a Bible. I mean, I was like living off these five foods. And for me, my eating disorder and really abusive relationships went hand in hand. So through the course of college and into some of my twenties, I was dating guys who just sucked. Like they are emotionally, physically, mentally abusive, super insecure, love to control me. And so I would often act out even more with my food, or I would just go on runs and I would run and run and run and then come back. And then I would just be like, okay, whatever they did, that never happened. I'm fine. And so I've just shoved my feelings and then um, my sophomore year of college, I went to University of Alabama. Um, oh, my no. <laughs> I know. Roll Tide. I know. I, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, went there and um, I loved it at first. But again, I, I started really developing really bad habits. And so I was like in a sorority there and my sorority sisters called my parents and they said, we're really worried about your daughter. She's not eating. And so for me, I, I've got a pretty muscular build. So I was down to about 75 pounds. And for me, that's very small. Like that's just oh my not God. Yeah. And so my parents came, they pulled me out of school. They brought me to a, a therapist. I started seeing the therapist and they put me in rehab. Can I ask you really quick? Were you like yeah. reluctant to like, were you just like, yes, I need help. Or were you like defensive? Yeah, kind of. Cause also, I don't know if I would have been able to, if my family called me out and we're like, I would be like, I'm fine. I don't think I would have gone to treatment. Yeah. You know, at first I was kind of just in denial about it and I didn't really understand the magnitude, mm -hmm. but you know, I think, and you could probably attest to this too, when you're not eating, your brain is just not functioning. And mm -hmm. so you are emaciated, but you still think you're fat and you, you still think all these really odd behaviors are normal. And so it's a mental thinking, illness. It's not yeah. a physical, it's a mental illness and eating disorder. without question, without question, you, you nailed that right on the head. And so, um, I went to rehab and unfortunately with treatment centers, especially with women who have eating disorders are like, all right, let's just hurry up and regain the weight, get to your ideal weight. And then we'll pull you out. So insurance is like, she's at a healthy weight. And this was about two months in and I developed no coping skills whatsoever. And right. so I got out and then I started binging and purging. And then it was like my, and I don't know if you experienced this too, but with the rebound of the weight gain, that was almost more detrimental than the starving itself. Because with the weight gain, you had your emotions coming up, your brain was functioning again. And so you felt so out of control mentally and physically, because you're doing all this stuff with the food and then you're unhappy and miserable and full of shame. And there's all these emotions that come up. So it's like, well, I got to get rid of that. And so, you know, it's just this whole cascade of events. And so from 19 to 30, uh, 32, I was in and out of seven different treatment centers. And, you know, I think at first it was the first three were all about, let's just fix the food, but mm -hmm. it really, and I say this to this day, it's not about the food. 
that's just a coping skill. That's just a byproduct, whether food is like, you know, alcohol or drugs or sex addiction, gambling, whatever. It's just a byproduct of something deeper. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I went to my final treatment center at 32 and unfortunately they're closed now, but it was by far the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was an all women's facility. I was there for a year and a half and wow. it changed my life, but I was at a point where I was so sick and tired of, excuse my language, just feeling like shit and just not having control over my life. And I thought you think you're in control, but you're so not, you think that, Oh, I can just control this, or I can just control that. But it's like, it takes over your life. You think you're controlling food, but if you're trying to control food, food controls you. Like what you don't realize is that it's controlling you. And it is such a, like, I never got treatment and oh (laughs) wow. Well, it's everybody comes for me about my language. I'm fat phobic. I am just honest and like authentic to my story. Like I share my story. And if I say the wrong words, it's never intentional. I yeah. didn't get treatment, but you're exactly right. I, it was like, I felt like I don't throw out my food anymore. I haven't mm-hmm. thrown out my food in 17 years. I'm healed. Yeah. But like the noise um, is always still there. Like you're all, I don't mm-hmm. calculate my food. And when people are like, you still have an eating disorder it triggers me very much because I'm like, I know what an eating disorder, like I binging and purging and wiping the vomit off the bottom of my feet. And like, I know it. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't do anything like that anymore. And I would get so defensive, but I can ask you about this since you've been to therapy. People say that like the compensatory behavior is what they call it, that I promote as a balance is an eating disorder and compensating during your your day Mm -hmm. to maintain your weight. It's mm-hmm. very hard for me to mm-hmm. accept that that is an eating disorder. Like I'll do my Chick-fil-A order. I get the grilled chicken club and yeah. I don't take, I don't eat the bun. And I always yeah. say, cause I don't need the bun, but I yeah. eat fries because yeah. I need fries. And yeah. somebody's like, if you're taking something out for something else, that is what we in the eating disorder community say is compensatory behavior. You are still in the eating disorder mindset and you should just eat the bun and the fries. And it's like, I'm not saying I don't I could eat them. I don't even want that. And I make strategies to maintain my weight. Like, Oh God, I just get so fired. I get so fired up because it doesn't have to be so one side or the other. I feel like that it is so polar opposite that you're either 100% body positive. I love my body. I'm going to say some shit that people might not appreciate the shit, you know, but like, I know, I know they, they, you know, um, and they're, they're, you know, eating tons of donuts and doing all these, for me, unhealthy behaviors. Cause it's like, okay, you're over there pre-diabetic and you, you know, sit here and claim like, oh, I'm body positive and I love my body. But I'm like, also do you really, because if you did, would you continue to eat all these unhealthy things, if you will, to where, you know, you're not feeling your best. And here's the thing, you know, where you feel best, you know, what you need and fuck anyone else who tells you that you don't know and that what your behaviors are doing is not authentic because you know at your core when when you're like, eh, I could have done that differently or, oh, no, I've got this. This is what I'm doing. And the thing is, you got to go by how you feel. If that bread and those fries all together just makes you tired and full, yes. why would you want to do it? You know Exactly. So- I, I, it, and it's professionals when you're like, fuck whoever's saying it. It, it, it's hard for me. It's like imposter syndrome. Every time I talk, I do a workout or something. I'm like, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a nutritionist. So when yeah. an eating disorder professional is like, this is wrong. I was like, 
oh, and I would never want to trigger anyone that's like still in it. But for me, Kim, mm -hmm. it is the, the problem that the eating disorder community has with me is that it's still about a physical ideal for me and I should be happy at any weight. And admittedly, I feel my best mm -hmm. in my best physical body. Yep. And if that is wrong, then maybe I still have work to do, but I'm not going to say that I don't. I feel, yep. and I feel like when I'm not in my best physical body, mm. everyone suffers. All my relationships suffer because yep, I just have this, I yep. had this like stress and tension looming over me. We can get into it because I thought I was doing the right thing by doing cardio seven days a week and barely eating. Mm. And I, I was frustrated that I, I'm doing it all right. And I'm not losing weight. My relationship with my husband suffered. I'm shorter with my kids, but when yeah. I don't have that body noise and I'm in my best body, I feel like I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom mm -hmm. and I get shit. Stop making it about a physical ideal. You should be happy at any size. And I'm like, I'm not. And if yeah. that's wrong. I, yeah. I think to me, I always see it as you can have both. You can say, okay, I'm not fully happy right now. And it's okay that I want to change my body or it's okay. I want to change my body. And I'm also being mindful of how I'm eating too. It's like, there's always that gray area. It doesn't have to be so extreme. Okay. And quite candidly, I mean, I also think it's how we're raised. I think it's how we feel about ourselves. I'm like you, when I feel strong as shit and I'm lifting heavy weight and I feel good and confident in my body, everything else just manifests yes. because there's nothing better than feeling good and having energy and feeling strong and sexy and confident. And however that may look for you, kudos, that's the way it should be. And everybody might be different with that. Mm. And so, you know, it's just, Oh, it's I, a tough one. my intention though, is for every woman, especially like moms who feel like it's too late for them. And it's just about yep. the kids now to find this feeling and yep. feel what it feels like to be in your best physical body. Even if that's not what it's supposed to be about. I have found this like happiness in this, like the, something that I was striving for, for 20 years by mm -hmm. over-exercising, restricting my calories. I never found now I have found my ideal weight at 40 Mm -hmm. by living life with balance and enjoying my life. And I, I can't not share yep. how I live now and what I found with the woman that is on the treadmill for an hour and a half every day. Like I was pissed off that she can't lose weight. Like yeah. I found this yeah. formula and I have to share it and I'm yes. going to keep sharing it yes. <laughs> because I want other women to feel happy in their body. There's nothing better than like, you know, seeing it for what it is. And when you know that you're empowering other women, when you know you're changing women's lives where they think, wow, okay, I don't have to eat so low calorie or wow, it actually feels amazing to have energy again. There are so many women out there that are depriving themselves physically, mentally, emotionally. They play it small. They don't want to speak up. They shove their feelings. They... Yeah you know, they, they, they want to be smaller in their bodies and every single client I have like, wow, this weightlifting, it's such a different feeling than it was going out and just running all the time and hitting the pavement and trying to get smaller and smaller, you know, that's how I thought I would get smaller. It's mm -hmm. like, I thought cardio because like yeah. that women are taught calories in versus calories out. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to talk to you about this too, like energy balance. Like I know that you need to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. Yeah. However, mm -hmm. <laughs> explain this to me. Yeah. I was for sure in a caloric deficit. I mm -hmm. ate, there was a time where I wouldn't eat carrots because it was a starchy carbohydrate. Sure. Like in my anorexia, I, I barely ate. I never snacked. I mean, a couple mm -hmm. hundred calories a day and yeah. I over-exercised. So mm -hmm. for sure, I was expending more than I was bringing in. Yeah. Is it because my body 
I was in a caloric deficit, but it's like, it just shut off. It, my body just stopped working for me at that point. Like, how did that not give me a weight loss? I never lost an ounce. Okay. So, okay. So if you back up for a second, prior to you becoming anorexic, yeah. like how did, how long were you in that deficit and how, when did it stop working? Give me a little back history. I guess when I, I got, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I got there. I got skinny. And then yep. when I was trying to get skinnier, I couldn't lose by like restricting more. Yeah. Because I thought that's what you had to do. Like eat less. Okay. I couldn't get my body didn't lose weight. Like, and then I would get frustrated. And then if I ate, then it turned into bulimia. Cause I thought in my mind, I was just going right. to get rid of it. And then I gained 20 pounds because yep. I don't think people understand that bulimia for me, did not make me skinny? Right. It made me, it threw off all my hormones and made me puffy and yep. gain weight. Mm -hmm. So yeah. my body was just completely out of whack from sure. everything that I had put it through and was like, what the hell is happening? It didn't trust me. And yeah, your body it, has to trust it. you. Your body always wants to feel safe mentally, physically, emotionally, your body is constantly scanning for threats internally, externally. So if your body perceives any sort of threat, you better believe it's like, okay, I got to hold on for dear life because I didn't know that there's a refrigerator downstairs, or I didn't know there's a whole foods across the, across the street. All it knows is, is it's in a famished state. And the fact that you had lost significant amount of weight and you were like skinny for you. I mean, your body's giving you the middle finger, like, oh, hell no, we're not, we're not going down this road. And then you get to a point where it's like, you know, diminishing almost where you're, you're not getting any benefit whatsoever because that is when, you know, people say, oh, it's only calories and calories out or, oh, it's only hormones, but it's both it's calories in, calories out and hormonal. Because when you are in such a severe deficit for a prolonged period of time, your body views that as a threat. So what is it going to do? It's going to shut off your sex hormones. So you're not going to get your period. You're going to have zero libido, like no desire to have sex. You're not going to ovulate. You're going to have little to no energy. You're going to feel freezing all the time. Your hair's going to fall out. Your skin's going to be dry all because like your thyroid is trying to overcompensate your sex hormones are shut off. And so your body will do whatever it takes to compensate in other areas. And that's, what's so fascinating. And what's also so sad that we put our bodies through this and our bodies, people think my body hates me. It's like, your body doesn't hate you. It's just trying to survive. Yes. And it will do whatever necessary to keep you alive. That's, that's the bottom line. And that yeah. makes sense that now I'm like, I don't know. It, it sounds like so easier. Like I'm cheating. Now I just eat when I'm hungry. Yeah. I eat more and yeah. my body stays at this like homeostasis point that it's at. And it makes sense now because it trusts me. Yeah. It's like, she's going to eat. She's not going to work out twice a day. Like before it was like, she's going to eat. Is she going to throw it up? Like it wasn't, yeah. it, it's like we are one now. <laughs> Trust me. And it burns. Yeah. And yes. I enjoy my life now mm -hmm. way more than when I was striving mm -hmm. to meet the physical ideal that I found mm -hmm. enjoying my life. And like, that yes. is my message. And, but what I used to say, and I caught myself, I didn't say it this time is usually, and I enjoy my life now and I weigh 20 pounds less and yeah. people would be like, you keep making it about a weight loss, but I'm just using it to say, if someone is striving to get this weight loss, mm -hmm. there is another way. And it's lifting weights, lifting heavier weights mm -hmm. in eating and, and not starving and over cardioing your body. That's right. my message. So yeah. if you are looking for a weight loss, I'm not a trainer, but I can tell you that I have done the research and I've right. done every diet and every eating disorder. And I have found this with lifting heavy, eating mm -hmm. more often. And yep. so 
I'm going to share it. And I think because of my history and because in my book, I talked about my eating disorder history. People mm-hmm. are like, you should not be speaking on this, but mm-hmm. I, I, I have to, I have to you tell have to. Yeah. You have to keep, keep going at it. And whoever's trying to keep you quiet. I mean, screw professionals. I'm like, do I have to get like letters next to my name so that I can yeah. like, no, I don't know. No, well, no. We don't have to talk about all, like we were talking about hormones and that's what I think. Like now that I'm in my forties, you were talking about like all the tests. Like I, obviously everybody's like, I used to say, I'll speak for myself when I was heavier and I couldn't like gain weight. I was like, it has to be my thyroid. Oh, and yeah, I'd always sure. like, I'd go yeah. get like the test and they were like, your thyroid's fine. I'm like, damn it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, that was my excuse. So what else should we in our fo- late thirties, early forties, what other tests should we be asking for um, yeah. at either our doctor or like you say, like a functional medicine? Yeah, such a great question. So I'll back up for a second. So to me, And what I found research wise and working with different doctors and stuff, there's four main contributors to hormonal weight gain as we enter over 35. So we've got insulin resistance, we have low thyroid, we have high cortisol, and we have estrogen dominance. And so when you take a step back and you look at the testing, if you go to your endocrinologist, you go to your general practitioner or intern, what have you. You'll go in there and you'll say, okay, something just doesn't feel right. I'm tired. I'm gaining weight, even though I'm eating less and doing blah, blah, blah. Can, can you run the tests? Yep. Sure. We'll run the tests. So then you think, oh, great. All the tests are run. And then nine times out of 10, you're fine. Everything's come back normal. Just eat less and exercise more. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Same shit, different day. Yeah. So what I have found is even just looking at clients labs who get the labs done from you know, the, the, just a regular doctor, what often happens is not only are they not getting all the proper testing, they're also not, not really looking at the levels the way they should be. So there's a difference between normal levels and optimized levels. And just because you might fall within the normal range of your thyroid, it doesn't mean you're feeling great. You can still be symptomatic. And so a lot of doctors will just look at your labs, but you're a human. So labs are going to fluctuate. So by far, there are some ones that are kind of non-negotiables. And unfortunately, they, the, the doctors are not going to run them for a few reasons. Number one, because of insurance, that's the biggest piece. Number two, because I think just the industry in general, they, they charge an arm and a leg to be able to run certain tests. And then I also think quite candidly, some of the, the medical industry just doesn't even look at certain markers. They just don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. So with, and that's why I'm such a huge believer in functional medicine. Cause with my own journey, I was going to endocrinologists and doing all these different things and nothing was working. And so I finally found a, a doctor who would listen. I finally found a functional medicine doctor and we did a bunch of testing and it came back with, okay, thyroid issues and low B12 and iron and all vitamin D and all these deficiencies. And so once I started filling those gaps, I was feeling so much better. And so I'm like, all right, I got to share this, but to get back to it, I would say hands down, when you look at just the thyroid, you have to get all those markers done. When you go to just your regular doctor, even your endocrinologist, they'll test one or two things. And that's usually your TSH and your T4 but you have six or seven other markers that you have to get looked at. So it's your TSH, your T4, your free T3, your free T4, your reverse T3, and your TPO antibodies, which tests for Hashimoto's. 
So if you're not looking at all of those, you're not going to fully understand the thyroid. Many, many doctors do not even look at T3. They don't believe in T3. And without getting too in depth about it, your thyroid has two, two parts. It has your T4 and your T3. Your T3 is like your racehorse. That is the one that is metabolically active. That is the one if super low, you're not going to lose weight. You're going to have inflammation. You're going to feel puffy and swollen and, and your metabolism is going to feel like it's trudging in mud. So that's your racehorse right there. So a lot of doctors don't even test it. So someone might get on Synthroid, which is the number one thyroid medication, but they still feel horrible or not losing weight. That's because they're probably not even looking at the T3. So that's a thyroid panel. I also recommend from a sex hormone pro uh, profile, testosterone, free testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, DHEA. Um, did I see? Yeah, I said testosterone. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what else? What else do I recommend? Um, I would do, I mean, by far, I'll look at fasting glucose. I would look at fasting insulin. Um, you can do cortisol too, to see where your stress levels are at. Um, you know, I would definitely look at uh, ferritin and iron, um, CRP, C-reactive protein, which is your inflammation marker. That's a really big one. Um, so I would start with some of those. Those are really important. And unfortunately, just a lot of the doctors don't even run them. Can you just go in and ask for those things or they you have can. to find a, they have to find a reason to do you, it? You can, um, you can say, so if you're going to do that, I would err on the side of, Hey, I'm feeling really tired. I'm feeling cold a lot. Um, I feel like I have no sex drive. Um, I have zero energy. I would go in and talk about your symptoms not so much, Hey, I need you to run this. Yeah. Talk about symptoms and then they're more inclined to do it. Okay. It, it's a toss up. So, so all of that obviously is like internal hormonal. I keep seeing this, like, I think it's like everly well, like food sensitivity test. Yeah. Could, do you, what yeah. do you think about that? So I think food <laughs> sensitivity quite candidly should be last on the list. Many people ah. think, Oh, that's what I need to do right away. But I would not, because often what happens when you have hormonal imbalances, it's hormone and gut related. So it's like 50, 50. So once you're working on the hormones, honestly, that's like, once you get those taken care of, that's the easiest piece. And that's when women are going to see the results the quickest. But if you look at gut health, gut health is much more confusing, much more complex. And you're dealing with candida and SIBO and all these other issues um, so I, we focus solely on the hormonal piece. And then if the gut needs adjusting, we go there next. But often what happens is when your hormones are getting fixed and your body's getting back into balance, your digestive system is so much more on point and feeling so much better. There's no point on doing food intolerances because nothing is causing the bloating and the gas and all of that. Yeah. The hormone. And once you fix that, that'll fix. Correct. Yep. Okay. And mm -hmm. perimenopause, I believe that I am in. <laughs> Like I actually had to call my mom. I was like, I'm only 40. It seems like early. And she said the exact time that she went through this was oh. right now because she's like, but she had me uh, nine years before I had my first, she's like, you were 15 when I was going through this. So she's like, it was like, we were both in puberty again. And she's like, you don't remember <laughs> me just like screaming at you. Cause I, I called, I was like, all I do is yell at everyone. Like I cannot, I am just all over the place. My periods are jacked. Like I have to, yeah. something has to be changing like hormonally for me. And she said she went yeah. through it at the same age. And if we are in or approaching perimenopause, is there a way that we should like, should we be eating differently? Should we be exercising differently if we're, mm. I guess, why? So like results, yeah. if we're trying to like, I guess, maintain our mm -hmm. weight, is there changes that we need to be making in perimenopause? 
100% without question. So what I found came to realize is again, through my own journey and working with our clients is they were, they were doing more, but they were gaining weight and they started getting super crabby. And then they were just, they just were mean and I was I mean, mean too. That's mean. And so, so honestly what happens, and then, um, I don't know, have you ever taken a, like a prednisone pack, like a steroid pack? Mm-mm. Oh okay. yeah. Well, I mean, when you have like something, you know, when I had an ear infection, I had a yeah, there prednisone. you go. Okay. Yeah. So you'll take that when you, yeah, when you have an infection, you need to get rid of often what happens is when you take that, you feel really swollen. You're really hungry. You're often moody and anxious and like revved up. Well, that's the same hormone as your cortisol level. So your cortisol, you need it. If you did not have cortisol, you would not be able to function. You need stress hormone. You need your stress. You do, but in the right amount, right? Okay. <laughs> so you, if you are super high stress, high cortisol, that's just like taking the prednisone pack because it's going to cause inflammation. It's going to make you feel bloated. It's going to cause you to be angry, wired and tired, um, mm. and just want to eat a lot. And so that is a sign of high cortisol, high stress. And so that is, that is the, that cortisol is going to be the first hormone that takes over everything else when your body is stressed and your body does not know the difference between stress from, let's say, yelling at your husband to stress of super intense exercise. So what happens is because we are in our forties, a lot of our hormones have dropped. And so with that being said, our, our levels of hormones, since they're at a lower state versus in our twenties, when they were at their peak, cortisol is going to take over because those sex hormones are lower. So that's often what's going to cause a lot of those symptoms, the weight gain, the belly fat, the bloating, the fatigue, because your body's just trying to overcompensate. So with that being said, some of the best things you can do hands down, every single one of our clients has pretty much lost weight with lifting three, sometimes four times a week and walking. We might throw in a a 20 minute hit. We might throw in like zone two cardio once or twice a week, once they get their system balanced, but hands down, that is the best approach for women over 35, 40. And I had no idea you're going to say that, but that's exactly what I do. Like just so happens I lift three or four times a week. Mm -hmm. I've been, I used to run and now I'm on my like spiritual journey, which is another podcast. So I try to like walk, um, for like meditative purposes and exactly what you said. Maybe once a week I'll do a 20 minute hit. Like exactly. I'm on your program. Yeah, <laughs> and I exactly. have seen result. I can speak to yeah. that. And I have to say something about cortisol, like mm-hmm. the stress that I used to live in, as I said, striving for this physical ideal, like we'd be on vacation and I had to set an alarm and mm-hmm. like, make sure I got to run in. And when we, I'm booking a hotel, does the hotel have a gym? I would on the way to restaurants, be looking at menus to make sure there mm-hmm. was something that I could eat. When you are living in that type of stress, it's mm-hmm. like all your effort that you're putting in is working against you. Like yep. when you're in that constant state of stress, your body's like, uh, and it's like yes. holding on to everything. And again, right. it speaks to like what I'm saying now, well, now I just calm the F down yeah. and I let go of the stress. It's like, I eat what I want, but mm-hmm. I'm mindful about it. I don't stress everything and yep. nothing is off limits. And my body stays where it is. And it's yep. like, I don't gain. And before mm-hmm. I was trying so hard, but right. the stress was right. like working against me. It's like, just calm down. Like if you can just take the time, like, I don't know, for me, it was getting rid of the stress. And then like, we haven't talked about eating, just being mindful. And I feel like a lot of moms are like running around, especially if toddlers, you don't take that second. It's just like, you're grabbing something to eat and you're, you eat until it's gone. Mm -hmm. If you take a second to listen to your hunger cues, if Mm -hmm. you're hungry, 
eat yeah. before it's, I, I hear myself how ridiculous that sounds, but before mm-hmm. when I was hungry, I'd be like, Oh, it's not a meal time. Uh, I just ate breakfast. I can't be hung- I'm not going to eat again. Like mm-hmm. I had so much noise and it's like, my body's like hungry. Like it's shooting yeah. the sign. And I would just be like, whatever, or satiated. Like mm-hmm. when you're full, like in the food's not gone yet. It's like, take that second. Yes. Are you just eating? Cause there's food there. And it takes just a second. And I'd be like, no, I'm satisfied or no. Yeah. I'm still hungry. Do you Mm -hmm. have to just take that second? And it's not about like ordering the salad with the dressing on the side and not eat what you want, Mm -hmm. but you'd be surprised that when you're satisfied, you don't even need that much of it. Cause your brain is satisfied because you're eating actual food and not like low carb, high protein, no sugar bullshit. Correct. Correct. And also too, the, the satiation factors actually proven to be because of amino acids as well. So amino acids coming from protein sources. So that triggers the brain to be more satisfied. So if we look at the nutrition piece, um, I know there's a lot of vegans and vegetarians and stuff, which is fine. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly believe in eating meat and eating animal products. And I found that to be so helpful for many women, you know, just with their, their health and their hormones, cause there's so many nutrients in them. Um, but yeah, like I, I, with our clients, you know, we focus a lot on, um, you know, nutrient dense meals where you're looking at the color, right. You're getting a variety. Yeah. You're not doing low fat, low carb, whatever you're eating things that are satisfying. You're getting enough fiber. You're getting healthy protein sources, you're getting enough fat, enough carbohydrate to balance your blood sugar. So you're not having these swings and these fluxes. Cause one thing I see a lot is women who are not eating balance, crave sugar, like crazy. They just, and then at nighttime, they're just throwing a bunch of food in their mouth. Yes. Cause you can't, you make it off limits. It's like, if you can't have it, you want it. If nothing is off limits, Mm -hmm. it's like not like you said, it's satisfying. You're eating food that's satisfying. Right. And I would, I have a sister. She's always just like in sick shape. And when I was in my mess, I would go out to dinner and I'd be like, grilled chicken salad, dressing on the side, no cheese. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like lobster mac and cheese. And I'm like this bitch, yeah. but I would watch and she would eat like a few bites of it, not even half of it sometimes. Yeah. And then she was satisfied. Like she, her right. brain was like, we got lobster mac and cheese. I yeah. eat obviously the entire thing because mm-hmm. it's fat free or how I would do with like my low carb, high protein cookies. Yeah. I would rationalize that these are low carb, high protein. So I'd eat the entire bag yeah. because my body is not, this is not satisfying food. So you have to Correct. keep eating it. But if you eat a cookie, you don't even need, sometimes I don't even need the whole cookie. And then exactly. it's like, oh, you have an eating disorder, eat the whole cookie. I don't even need it yeah. because I get a real cookie and it's almost like satisfying your brain. It's like, exactly. You got right. what you wanted. You don't even need that much. And I had to completely rewire, mm-hmm. like you don't need a cookie or if like you, cake, ob- obviously off limits, you go to a wedding, you take a bite. And I was like, ah, I blew it. I might as yeah. well eat the whole cake. But exactly. now, yeah. if it's not off limits. I can have a bite and not be like, I'll start again tomorrow. It's just like balance is just for me making swaps throughout the day. If I have a margarita at happy hour, I don't come home and have a glass of wine with dinner. I just am am like cognizant of my day. I have the things I need to have. Nothing is off limits. And I'm, my brain is satisfied. My body is where it finally needs to be. And it's, not as hard as I made it for so for two decades from 16 to 36, just the mental and physical toll that I put on my body all Mm -hmm. in the pursuit of the physical ideal that I never achieved. Yes, exactly. It's we're constantly chasing something that's not even chaseable. 
And then even if we, you know, I say this a lot, you can't hate yourself into getting in shape. So, you know, you have a lot of women that get super lean and then they're still not happy. Well, I still want to lose five or 10 more pounds. Okay. But why? And, you know, it doesn't matter how lean you get. If you can't be content with yourself in the process, forget getting to that point and being happy. It still won't be enough. No, exactly. You'll always want to be like, that's how I am too. I'm a perfectionist. Like nothing is ever good enough. I'm always like, I never like sit around and like, look at where I'm at. It's just like, what, who's the next person I can book. And like, so you're never feeling like you've made it or like looked around or like seeing the progress in your body menstrual cycle. Yeah. We, we, why we should be tracking that, like to know more about like our cravings and our mood. Can you speak on that? Yeah, for sure. So I love tracking the cycle. Um, so my favorite app is clue C L U E. You can download it on Android, on, um, your iPhone, whatever. It's my favorite app. And the reason why I'm so gung ho on, um, you know, really understanding around your cycle, especially with food and training is because as women, we often put so much pressure on ourselves that we should be going hard all the time, not just physically, but also like emotionally and doing all the things, wearing all the hats, like, God, why am I so tired? I just need to drink more coffee or just mow through it. But like our female biology is not meant to be run that way. So it's such a great point for women just to take some pressure off themselves and say, okay, this makes sense. This is why I'm tired. I'm about to start my period. So you have a couple different phases and I'll keep it simple. So basically, if you look at it, you have two phases, you have your follicular phase starting with an F. I say that as your first, then you have your Hmm. luteal phase, which is L and I use that as last. So your follicular phase, and a lot of women don't know, and this is okay. Like day one is the first day of your period, even if it's just a little brown in your panties. Oh, okay. So that's day one. So day, day one through about 15. So a day after your, your ovulation, day 14, 15 is your follicular phase, the first phase. And think of that as fat loss. Your metabolism is a little slower, but you're just not as hungry. Your cravings aren't as high, especially for carbohydrates. You're going to be satisfied quicker. You're probably going to drop a little body fat. You're going to have more energy. You might even set more PRs in the gym. You might just feel stronger, have more energy. This would be a time when, you know, you might do a little more cardio um, and you're just, you're feeling better. Ovulation is a time when um, you're a lot more so social, you want to be around people. It's so interesting. The first few weeks of my cycle, I am like a GSD getting so much shit done, so much content and it never without fail come day 17, 18, I start hitting this wall. And so this is a time when I really focus on content. I will double down on work because I know the back end, I'm not going to be as motivated. So then you have your luteal phase and that's around day 15, 16, up until when you, right before your period. And so this is when you're going to start craving more carbohydrates. Your metabolism has an uptick. So a lot of women can afford eating two, 300 more calories. I would say probably 200 a day. Um, You're, you're going to be more tired. You're going to have a little bit more anxiety. Um, You're going to have to scale it back a little bit at the gym. You're just not going to feel as strong. You might feel a little bit more winded because your iron is dropping a little bit. Um, and this is a great time to start incorporating magnesium glycinate because that'll help a lot with anxiety and better sleep. Um, and then B vitamins. So getting a good methylated B or a good complex B vitamin to help with anxiety, especially right around like a week before you start your period. 
Um, so that's again, L for last luteal. This is when you're, you're going to feel sluggish. And then like a week before you start, even a few days prior, some might be emotional. You might be, um, you know, just, just, you want to hole up. You don't want to do anything. You want to sleep. You might go for a walk and that's about it. But I just want to normalize that this is a female cycle. This is a process and your body almost goes into hibernation every time before you start. Cause it thinks it's about to get pregnant. And then once you have your period, body's like, okay, here we go again. So, ah. and what I've found too, is when you let off the brakes during your luteal phase, you're going to show up in your follicular phase so much stronger, your quality of life and, and just everything is going to, is just going to manifest to the next level. But over and over, I see so many women in that last part of their cycle, they run themselves to the ground and they can't ever catch up. Yeah. So just, you don't know. I never knew that. Yeah. And that's why it's so funny. I'll be like some days, like yeah. I'll go, I, I have this four mile loop. I'm like, I could have ran 10 miles. Yes. And then exactly. that's so weird. And then like some days I'm like, I can't even, I have to walk home because I have yes. nothing, but exactly. just to have that knowledge of why it's happening is yes. amazing. So it's like giving yourself permission that yes, yes, the female body isn't supposed to be driving home all the time. Like you just, you're not, you're not meant to do that. Oh my gosh. And then the, the later part of your cycle often is when, uh, well, it depends. You, you stay at home more, you want, you're more in hibernation mode and you might be a bit more creative or sensitive. And so you don't really feel that masculine energy that get shit done kind of thing. If you honor that and you pay attention to that. So it's more, you kind of get into the feminine a bit more, but when you're, when you're in your ovulation and right before your testosterone increases. And so that's when you feel like sexy and a badass, and you can walk around with no underwear on and feel really confident. And you then you know, get whatever. pregnant. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you're feeling that way. Yeah, exactly. And then you're pregnant. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so interesting. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. Last thing about fitness, like if there's someone listening that's in their late thirties, early forties, and they want to start a fitness program, where should they be spending their time? Great question. So I would, depending on their fitness level and like their, their background of fitness, depending on how, um, advanced they are, I would start with dumbbells. If it's, they're just getting started or if they've done dumbbells, I would get into barbell work. Um, putting your muscles under tension is going to be one of the best things you can do. So being mindful of your training, really just starting with the basics. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to bounce around and do stuff on the BOSU ball. Just go back to the fundamental movements, like you're squatting, you're lunging, you're hinging, like an, like a, uh, Roman, Romanian deadlift or kettlebell mm -hmm. swings. You're doing a push, you're doing a press, you're doing a carry. So just really focusing on those basics will take you a long way and being slow and intentional with your movements. If you're racing through it, your, your muscles aren't developing under tension, and then you're not really going to get the benefits that you want. So yeah. that would be my suggestion and just do it slow and steady and just add more weight over time. Yes. I say that too. And I'm not a trainer. Don't go in and just pick up like way heavier weights, but if you are right. not feeling challenged and you're just mm -hmm. in the zone, like I always pick up the 15s. Mm -hmm. if, if it's not challenging, it's not going to change you. So you need to work up to yeah. the 17s or the twenties and gradually. Right. And like you said right. too, don't rush through it. Cause then it's like, it's just momentum. You're not using your muscles. You're just like yeah. using momentum and you're not going to, you can't be frustrated that you're not seeing results. If you're not upping your weights, yep. if you're not like doing it slowly. 
Exactly. I mean, it should, it should be challenging. It should burn. It should Mm -hmm. feel hard. And if you, let's say exercise calls for 15 reps, if you're nailing out 20, no problem, it's way too light. So by rep 13, 14, you should really be struggling. So that's when you know, okay, I have a few reps left in the tank. That was hard. So that's when you know you're using the appropriate weight. Yes. And for so long, I was like, I am not going to go up. I don't want to get bulky. And I just want to tone and I had zero muscle tone until I started lifting heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you put muscle on your body, you get the tone that you want, you get, you increase your metabolism, like lifting heavier is everything. Stop shying away from heavy weights. You are not going to bulk. You're going to get that tone that you're looking for. And you're going to turn your metabolism back on. Please lift heavy. Yes. And you can get away with eating more food, yes. like eating more carbohydrates. You no. can get away. Like it just makes such a big difference. So yes. yes, I agree. And finally, like selfishly for me as a fitness account or anyone that has like an Instagram account, I adore how you are just authentically yourself. And I feel like that is why you have the following that you do. Um, for anybody that's just feeling like they, like they're a trainer and they have to talk about like you talk about poop, you're up at night because you need to get the D. <laughs> Cracking up. You're just authentically and unapologetically yeah. yourself. And do, do you feel like that has like leveled up your brand? Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, I I know you had interviewed Jill, and Jill was um, a business mentor of mine for a while, and we're <laughs> great friends now. But it was funny because you know when you're when you're in the beginning of the business. You want to be super professional and put together and like, okay, this is what we're doing. And like, you know, put on the serious hat. And as one of my friends say, just take off the turtleneck, like stop being tofu, just to be you. And yeah. so I realized like, that's always been me. I've always been goofy and weird and all that stuff. So I, I, I found myself not doing who I was like behind the scenes. And then I was like, you know what? I I can't authentically be me. And if I can't do that, what's the point? And so it was just a lot of pressure. So finally, I'm just like, screw it. I'm just going to do the things. And it's part of who I am. And if people like it, great. If they don't, they can leave. And so I have a lot of people unfollow me when I do that stuff. But I have a lot of people that are like, oh my God, this is amazing. You You find who is supposed to follow you when you're that way. And it's like they unfollow. It's like, that's not your people. And I still, I struggle with that. Like, I'm like, why did they leave? Like, I I want everybody to like me, but it's like, your niche, like be authentically you and you, your people will mm-hmm. find you. And if they're, right. if they're leaving, they're not for you they're anyway. For and, I, you. and I don't want them as clients. So yeah, it's like, okay, it's hard for me. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's inspired to work with you, like, where do they find you? Find me on Instagram and message me. Cause I always message everybody back. It's just Kim dot shaper S C H A P E R. Um, and then you can find me on, um, my website is kimshaper.com. My M3 metabolic method. It's my one-on-one coaching. That's just done so well. Our clients are getting phenomenal results. So we are, have a wait list now, but we always take applications. And if you know, you're a good fit, we'll reach out and let you know when the next availability is. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this. It was so fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.